This is John Mills. Welcome back to another episode of Acquired Tastings. This will be episode number 155. From the archives, I'm bringing out Stein Time. This will post on October 5th. And it'll be just a little bit past the official Oktoberfest time that uh, is celebrated in Munich, Germany. Uh, That time is September 16th through October 3rd of 2023. So you've probably already seen some of the October beers coming out, and I hope you've seen some events. Uh, One of the events that I've participated in was over at Crush Wine Bar. They had 10 different Oktoberfest. It was really a nice event. I hope you uh, were able to do that one. There's another one coming up that will be uh, coming up. I think it comes up before this will be posted. And so was the one at Crush over at Rusty Tractor. They're going to have Oktoberfest activities. And then in two weeks, your friend and my son, Josh Mills will be joining me, and we're going to do a celebration cocktails to celebrate our three years plus for acquired tastings. You know, we started in July of 2020, and this will post on October 19th of 2023. So that'll be a great event. I hope you have time to do it. And as always, we are so excited that some of you are still listening to us. We're still on Facebook and Instagram, not so much on any of the others. Uh, I try to post things. I'm not real good at it. As you know, I'm an older guy, and I'm not real savvy at the IT. Josh is so much better at it. We're going to have that posted. If you want to send us an email, do the old school thing. It's acquiredtastings at gmail.com. As always, I want to thank you for listening to us, and I know Josh is listening out in Montana. So we're going to do this one together remotely, just like Marie and I did one remotely for the Spanish wines. I hope you had an opportunity to listen to that one. As always, thank you for listening to us. I hope you enjoy this from the archives called Stein Time. Thank you and goodbye. This is Josh Mills. And this is John Mills. Welcome back to another episode of Acquired Tastings. So this week we're having a beer podcast and the beer that we're doing are Oktoberfest. So dad, what's your beer this week? I'm doing the Hunter Oktoberfest from Lost 40. What are you doing, Josh? I'm doing the Einger Oktoberfest out of Eing, Germany. And what's your snacks today, Josh? To go with mine, uh, with the Einger, I have ribs. Uh, that my dad made. I have some Comte cheese, and then I have some pot stickers. I won't laugh this time, but that was a... I know it was a curveball, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was a real curveball, but we'll see how it goes. Yeah, what do you have, Dad? And I have German potato pancakes, sauerkraut balls with Brockwurst, and authentic Frankendelli. It's a German meatball. Okay, well, sounds good. So last week we did a blind, and... I blinded a wine. It was a red wine. Um, I came to the conclusion that it was a Malbec. And so, Dad, what was it? I think you also said it was a 2017, didn't you, Josh? I, I might have said that it was a 2017. Well, what it was, Josh, is a 2017 Cotina Malbec. 
It's from uh, Argentina. It's it's a Mendoza Argentinian. Well, that's awesome. I, oh, man, right I, can't, I can't believe you nailed that one. I finally got I finally got one of the wines right. Right. And it's a really, really good wine. And yeah. if you remember what we were saying when we were blinding that one, we were both sipping on it and going, ooh, this is jammy. Ooh, jammy. Ooh, this yeah. is good. Yeah, it was a it was a really good wine. And by the way, it has on the on the uh bottle itself 93 points that's high high rated wine but all right that sounds good i got it i finally got a wine right oh okay so i think we'll start with the uh the local beer though the hunter from lost 40 all right josh the lost 40 hunter is a uh, marzen it's 6.1 abv and 20 ibus so it's very smooth it's got a nice color to it. It's sort of a deep copper gold color. It's a really nice beer. Yeah, I mean, it looks like it's, you know, just orange, like that burnt orange of fall leaves. I mean, it's a coppery, a little bit of red hue to it, but it's like just the look of it reminds me of fall. Okay. Well, you may ask, what's a Mazen? Well, a Mazen is a German March beer. Respectively, it's a it's a lager that originated in Bavaria. It is a beer style that traditionally is served at Oktoberfest. It has a long shelf life, and they started making it in March. And as I said, it's a lager, so it's it's top fermented. It's uh, maybe not the most uh, traditional Oktoberfest because they drink a lot of Pilsner. Did you know that, Josh? I did not. Okay. And uh, one of the things that is pretty fun to know is about Lost 40. Uh, do you remember when they first opened, Josh? Yeah, it was about five and a half, almost six years ago now. Yeah, it's December of 2014. And do you remember a special event that you and I and David, uh, your cousin, did? Oh, yeah. A couple of years, what was it, 2016, I think we did a That's Stein right. holding contest. Oh, yeah. And for those of you who've never held a Stein full of beer or water. Lucky for us, it was water because uh, I think a couple of the other contestants uh, dropped their hands so fast they splashed water out of it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, none of us are very strong. And actually, uh, the competition didn't go that long. It was at uh, the the Big Orange there off of uh, University. And uh, there wasn't that many contestants. But I think I remember who won. Do you? Uh, I'm, I'm kind of forgetting right now. I know it wasn't me. Well, yeah, you went out before uh, David and I, and I kept taunting David. Come on, man, I'm I'm getting tired. Why don't you uh, drop yours? Uh, put your arm down. He says, "Why don't you? Why don't you?" Finally, I had to. So David won, and what he won, if I remember right, I think maybe we already had bought the steins, or maybe they gave us steins for the competition. Right. And David won a liter of beer. That's a lot of beer. And yeah. I think we'd already had some to drink. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I remember. So, the, you know, you see these kind of steins or these beer glasses that are normal at Oktoberfest and they're big, glass, wide. They have bubbles on the side. And, you know, a liter of beer is a lot. So liters, what? How many? It's a little more in a quart. Yeah. So it's it's a lot of beer to drink at once. Um, but they're really good. You know, this one's really great. You know, like he said, it's a Marzen, so it's actually a lager. Um, they're usually made in March. And then they kind of sit around and they take the time to ferment and and kind of age as they move forward to becoming 
this wonderful, delicious beer. Yeah, it's that long time of aging, of cold aging. It, it sort of softens the beer. Mm-hmm. And typically the uh, hops that are in there are what's called noble hops, which uh, are from Germany. And uh, they are not real bitter. So you get some aroma from those hops, but you don't get much bittering at all. Yeah. You know, back to Lost 40. Lost 40. You know, that name came from a parcel of land that was lumberjack back, I'm not sure what year, but it was back when Arkansas was very new. And probably all the trees there that were cut down were made into end tables. And, you know, they saved the small um Land And so Lost 40, which is down in the very heart of Little Rock, decided that's what they wanted their name to be. And one of their big events, we've I think we've talked about this before, is the Nighty Night event where they make this really great, dark, dark Nighty Night beer. And everybody dresses up like a zombie lumberjack. So it's a whole lot of fun. So if you hadn't done that, you might want to try it. Maybe not this year. They probably won't have it. But they're not. They canceled yeah, it for this year. That's right. So somehow it's sort of a wilderness that got lost and eluded Timberman from it. Well, and they used to say um, it used to be kind of the um, the way that they would sneak off from work and go drink is they would say, oh, well, I'm going to go cut the lost 40. Exactly. The lumberjacks, because it was just, it was 40 acres of land that they could not figure out where it was. And they tried to they tried to get it and tried to you know, lumber it and it never, it eluded them. So it just became this thing of like, well, I'm going to go cut the lost 40 today, which means, you know, I'm not going to go to work or I may work, but not really. So the uh, original owners of lost 40 McGee and uh, McDougal, and they, they, I don't know if they formed the yellow rocket concepts, but they leased this 19,000 square foot uh, former headquarters of candy boutique down at 501 Bird Street. So that's really downtown. And they retrofitted the building to include a 30-barrel brew house, uh, three 30-barrel fermenters, and one 60-barrel fermenter to allow 3,000 gallons of beer to be brewed each year at full capacity. Wow. It seems like you know, they've, because when you go to their tap room, they have big glass windows, like you're observing a workshop that you can actually see where the, everything happens, where even the canning, the kegging, you see these big stacks of cans everywhere. And it's really cool where they can, you can kind of see into behind the scenes of how the beer is being made when you're right there in the tap room. But I look forward to this beer every year that they put out. It's really a good one. It's really rich. It's malty. It's not, it's not overly bitter. It's just like, Kind of like a warm hug. <laughs> they they moved their production up to like 20,000 gallons of, of beer uh, very quickly about the time that they uh, were ready to open. So uh, the taproom restaurant, I, I went down uh, the other day to get this beer and they're doing the, the COVID thing. Yeah. You go in with your mask on and uh, you don't seat yourself. They decide if they have room for you and if not... Uh, you're told to wait outside. They do have an outside location. I think you seat yourself there. No, it's still seated. Is that right? Okay, I wasn't sure. A special deal. Uh, I bought two 12-packs, and I got a Lost 40 bag. Yeah, and this is the time of year where most of your local breweries are going to be putting out a Marzen or an Oktoberfest, or else you also heard it called a Fest beer. Um, these are all 
kind of synonyms for Oktoberfest beers. Um, they're all kind of in the same style. You know, I saw on Instagram the other day that um, Fremont Brewing put out their fest beer last week. Okay. So, you know, right along, right along this time where they're all going to start coming out. And it just kind of heralds the beginning of fall for me. So what do you tell me about this beer? Like when you actually taste it, dad, what are you, what are you tasting on it? I get a lot of good sweetness. Like, like I said earlier, you don't really get much on the nose of bitterness or anything. Right. The sweetness might be like a honey. Mm -hmm. I haven't had a full sip yet. Have you? Yeah. I've I've been drinking on it while you've been talking. Okay. What'd you find on the back end? Well, I kind of get a, uh, a really good caramel carameliness or carameliness to it. It's, it's got a good bread quality, breadiness quality to it with a little bit of bitter florality on it. Like you said, the hops aren't that. Yeah. Just 20. Yeah. The IBUs in that high. And yeah, I do get the caramel as well. Yeah. It's almost like, um, um, it's almost like brittle, like, um, peanut brittle. No, it's not peanut brittle. It's almost like almond brittle or some kind of other, other nut brittle. Having that sweet, roasty, um, kind of nutty characteristic to it. I really like the can as well. It's an orange can. It says Oktoberfest in small letters, but it says the Oktoberfest Hunter in small batches. On the back of the can, it's kind of neat. It says the 6.1%. Please recycle. Light-bodied, smooth caramel. And they actually give you some pairings on it, too. Yeah, it does. It says uh, enjoy with gumbo, turkey, Rubens, Brockwurst. Okay, we've got the, the Brockwurst uh, with the sauerkraut. It's a slight little like poke at their menu in the taproom because on the menu in the taproom, they have a turkey Reuben. Yeah, yeah that's so right. like, oh, hey, you could drink it with this. But notice this. Enjoy while kindling splitting flannel shopping that goes back to that lumberjack uh hatchet sharpening washing down kielbasa and raking leaves in leader in leader hosen <laughs> well i don't have any leader hosen but i have raked leaves yeah and i've i've definitely done yard work and came in and drank this beer or stared at my leaves that needed to be raked while i drank the beer well it's not exactly a lawn mowing beer no. you know it's not that light it's got that that beautiful color. It's kind of full bodied. Like you have it, it kind of de- definitely kind of coats your mouth and kind of hangs around for a while. I'm finding actually a little bit more florality on it than uh, now that I'm like dissecting it. Yeah. You know, thinking, really thinking while I'm drinking about it. Uh, I do get a little bit of that nice florality on it. Does it say what, did it say what hops they use or just, I didn't see it on the can. Like I said, it's, it's what they call noble hops, which is, Frugal. They have some crystal hops, which is not a noble mm-hmm. that's in it. And a crystal is a very crisp, clean. It's not really the floral, mm-hmm. but it's a citrus. Okay. And so maybe you're getting the citrus and the floral confused. That's easy to do. Yeah. Well, and I mean, there still is like some of that citrusiness on it, but there's also definitely some florality on it. So they may be using, I'm sure they're using multiple hops. Oh, yeah. It's got a long list. I just named a couple. Uh-huh. Of them. So. But it's really good. And so let's... Uh, I'm going to try a little pairing on this uh, potato pancake. Okay. So this is the potato pancake. That's the meatball, the German meatball. And the braided one is is actually the sauerkraut with brockwurst. So what are you trying? The potato pancake. I hadn't had potato pancakes in a long time. And I don't really think about them being German. Yeah. Because my mother would make us potato pancakes, not for breakfast, but for dinner or supper, whichever you call it. Mm-hmm. And I don't really know if it's some kind of occasion 
or if it just so happened, we had a lot of potatoes left over. Yeah. I mean, it is a good way to like, it's very filling. Um, you know, it's got good herbs in it. I mean, it tastes great. It's got some sweetness that uh, pairs with this beer very well. Yeah. And it's like the starchiness of the potato kind of actually pulls down the sweetness mm-hmm. uh, in the beer a little bit and kind of in that er- the herbaceousness comes out a little bit more in the beer. So it's, it's really good. And I think potato pancakes is is something you would find in Germany mm-hmm. a lot, you know, along with Wiener Sissel and all kinds of other things. Mm-hmm. I really like it. It's 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 sweet. It's not hard to make. The potato pancakes aren't. Yeah, that's really good. Maybe if uh, we do a little crossover at some point, we try a little shredded comte on top of it. Oh, that'd probably be good. And then the the meatballs. What's in the meatballs? Well, the meatball is pork and beef, like a 50-50%. And then the, the the spices, it has German mustard in it. I don't know that I had German, but I put, uh, you know, like deli mustard, mm-hmm. salt, pepper, paprika, marjoram, parsley. That's pretty much the spices. So it's an onion. You know, both these balls have onion in them. It's a really good pairing. Let me try it. I need it. It really kind of brings up brings up the beer. I think that fattiness of the of the meat goes really well with the with the beer and that sweetness and really kind of harmonize well. What do you think? They're both pretty sweet. Yeah. But yeah, I, you know, you can't go too wrong for me with meatballs. Right. You know, the official meatball that people use is the Swedish meatball. I'm not sure how much different they are. Yeah, you know, I think I think the big thing with the Swedish meatball is it's going to be like they're a little bit sweeter. Right. And they're mostly pork. I don't think they use much beef in it. That's right. So it's going to be, and there's usually not a whole lot of spices that are going on in it either, but they're, this is, this is really good. Now put on your brave hat. Horseradish. And try, no, it's not horseradish. It's uh sauerkraut. Well, okay. Sauerkraut. Sour, sauerkraut and bratwurst. So sauerkraut's really an acquired taste. <laughs> yep. <laughs> So the way it's made is you, again, it has onion in it. Uh, it has uh, the brockwurst. Now, the recipe called for brockwurst, or you could just do vegetarian. Yeah, you could leave the meat out. Right. And it has a little bit of beer, egg, flour, garlic powder, pepper. Again, it's got uh, some parsley. Oh, I'm not a sauerkraut fan. Well, like I said, it's an acquired taste. So the bitterness, like. Sauerkraut is bitter but sweet. Right, but the the bitterness cuts through. To me, it kind of cuts through the beer and just kind of washes away a lot of that sweetness. And all that's left is like a nutty kind of characteristic. What do you get with it? Oh, I get. I like sauerkraut with my brockwurst. Mm-hmm. So it seemed like the recipe had more sauerkraut than brockwurst ratio. Right. So when I have sauerkraut on a, you know, a brockwurst brat. Yeah. brat in a bun, you know, I usually use the sauerkraut kind of sparing. Right. And so this seemed like it had a higher uh, percentage of the sauerkraut. And maybe that's because the Germans really love it. Well, and it also could just be that to make it into kind of a meatball or a fritter, it needed that extra stuff to hold it together. Because, right. I mean, you cooked these in the oven, but they look like they could have been kind of like pan fried or deep fried. Well, it did say that. You're right, Josh. Uh, the recipe said you could pan fry it, but since I was pan frying the meatballs, right? I thought I'd I'd put these in the oven. Yeah, I mean, it good. It good. I mean, the texture came out really well. It's just for me, I'm not a fan of sauerkraut. I understand, but what does it do for you with the pairing? How does it How does it affect the beer, in your opinion? 
or does it kind of change the beer or how does the well the sauerkraut pairing over maybe overpowered no it wouldn't be technically overpowered but it was the sauerkraut was up against the sweetness of the beer if you can see my hands i'm making a little ramp here but the sauerkraut could have been toned down and that's what I was saying about the ratio. So next time, maybe when I make the sauerkraut and the brat balls, if I do, I would put less sauerkraut. Uh, your your mother's just like you. I don't think she'll uh, enjoy that one either. Right. But so when it so what you're saying is in the pairing itself, it it was a contrasting, but it did not harmonize well. It could have been better. Right. Right. Um, it wasn't bad. But it wasn't as good as I had hoped it would have been. Mm, mm-hmm. There's a lot of uh, websites about beer. One of them is called Untapped, and I'm looking at some ratings. And you know, most most people rate this Hunter beer, you know, a four out of five. And so you have to be in an area where you can get it to even rate it to taste it. But that's that's what I'm seeing is most people rate it four out of five, or I say a four and a half out of five. Yeah, it's a it's a pretty high rated beer yeah all right um one person on the untapped uh he didn't he gave it a he gave it a three and a half but he said uh it's okay for an oktoberfest beer so you know technically if you if you're gonna hang your hat on oktoberfest beer you're gonna say i gotta have this german one I, you know, I, I kind of disagree with that. Well, I do too. That's because, what this, that's what this guy was doing. Well, I also think he may have just not been a fan of the style, you know, cause he said it's okay for an Oktoberfest, but it sounds like it's just not his cup of tea, which is, which is fine. Um, I mean, you know, there's stuff for me that's not my cup of tea and I just say, you know what, I'm not going to drink that one anymore. So, well, anything else about the beer dad or lost 40 before we switch over or? switching back to those pairings uh potato pancake or the or the meat ball mm-hmm. itself without the sauerkraut those are right on point i thought mm-hmm. and uh, you said it when you walked in the uh, lost 40 hunter is uh, not too bad about that 12 pack two 12 packs at the brewery you get a little break on the price at the brewery and it was like 30 something well, two 12 packs. You must really like it then. I do. Well, I, I was going for that special bag. I mean, you know, why not? Yeah. I mean, why not? Time of year, you know, for we're recording this on Labor Day weekend. So it's right into September now. You know, can you believe the Kentucky Derby's today? Yeah. I forgot to turn it on. But anyway. Well, I don't think it's run. I don't think it's run yet. Uh, it's like six o'clock. Yeah. Right. It's usually in the afternoon or evening. But so I'm going to drink this beer and I'll probably be drinking, you know, mint juleps tonight. Oh, maybe. Okay. All right. It's the drink of the Derby. All right. Okay. Well, are you ready to switch over? Sure. I'm ready to switch over. I've still got a little bit of the beer left, so I might have to finish it. All right. All right. So we're going to switch over now to the Einger Oktoberfest. Now, Einger is a German Oktoberfest made by Einger Brewing in, in Eying, Germany, which is actually 25 kilometers outside of Munich. So it's not one of your standard Munichs, but it's a great beer and a great brewery. Um, fun fact, you know, since Einger is not made in Munich, it cannot be served at the Munich Oktoberfest. The big, big Oktoberfest, it cannot be served because... Oh, that's interesting. They only limit to beers that are made in Munich. Oh, okay. And so because of that, Einger's like, well, 
we'll just organize all these Oktoberfests outside of Munich in the in the countryside and you know we'll serve our beer there and we'll serve local beers as well so like I said this is the Eyinger Oktoberfest this is a once again this is a Marzen style uh, like most Oktoberfests well, I'm noticing it's a lighter color oh uh, uh, yeah this one is more of kind of a a golden a golden straw color it's not quite as orange I'm getting some good um on the nose here yeah what is that it's like honeysuckle. I was gonna say that it smell. It smells like honeysuckle or jasmine, so it's very floral. You know, this one with you, I think it's honeysuckle. You know, the ABV on this one is you know just about six. It's five point eight, and um, wasn't able to find the IBUs on it, but it's probably pretty low. It's a Marzen. It's gonna be in that twenty range, right? This beer, like I said, it's a it's a Marzen. Um, Oktoberfest style, and it's definitely done in the German style. It's going to be full, like fuller bodied. It's going to have that rich um, kind of flavor that you expect on it. And like Dad said on the nose, you know, there's a lot of like honeysuckle, honeycomb, very floral, very floral. sweet smell on the nose. There's a lot more nose to this beer than the Hunter. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's very complex. You know, tasting it, it's. I mean, I'm surprised. I haven't had this beer in a while. I'm surprised at how much honeycomb I'm tasting. Like it kind of tastes like like the wax, kind of that waxy honey, honeyed floral experience that you get if you've ever had. Like, yeah, yeah. Raw honey or honey like honeycomb itself. Yeah, I didn't go as far as saying waxy because waxy connotation to me ha- has a a chewiness and stick to your teeth kind of thing. It really doesn't do that. But it seems to be, I don't know that it's, it's not a thicker beer. Mm-hmm. I mean, the consistency is the same. Right. There's a lot more, like you said, that floral and maybe uh, the floral is tricking your mouth. Maybe, but it, it just has that connotation for me. When I think of the waxiness, I don't think of like a, a sticky, a sticky kind of thing. It's just more of that. It's more of the the way the honey presents itself. It reminds me of beeswax. Okay, like not not that it's actually like not that it's actually like waxy in my mouth. It's just how it presents the flavor and that smell. Beeswax has a very particular smell. Yeah, and that's kind of what I'm getting off of it. Yeah, beeswax is is kind of a toasty. Well, I'm I'm struggling to say what it's like other than going waxy. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and so, you know, this beer, it's got a very kind of malty, wonderful nose like we talked about. You know, they use barley, definitely in this one. I'm pretty sure they still hold to the more traditional um, Bavarian beer laws. That Bavarian beer law was like 1600 and something, way back. Yeah, the 16th, back in the 16th century. And it was by Duke Wilhelm IV of Bavaria. And it was the purity law when it came to beers. So I think, you know, in thinking of this, it kind of goes back to when we talked about bourbon, how they had to make laws to make bourbon safe. And all you could have in beer, this is 15, 16, is malt, hops, and water. Yeah, they didn't know anything about yeast. Yeah, they didn't know anything about yeast. They just know that they if just, we do this together and ye- Yeast make- happened through the air mm-hmm. and it was like magic. And and all of a sudden they get this, this great beer that uh, is fermented and whatever, you know. They, they didn't know there was this product that you could put into the beer. Right. And they, you know, they actually do hold hold true to that for this beer because it's just I'm looking at it now. It's just water, barley, hops, and yeast. And the IB the IBU of this is actually 21, so it's right around the same yeah. level as the hunter. You said they they do use yeast. Well, yes, oh. but I think you know nowadays yeast is you have to have yeast. 
And it's, I don't know if they inoculated or put a particular strand of yeast in or if they do spontaneous fermentation. There's still beers made with spontaneous. Yeah. Some of the, you told me some of the Belgian beers that you, right, when right. you went and visited, they had, they still had like open tops and just yeah let it happen. And we, we went and toured it and the open top. And then you, you, you go through there and the spiders and the spider webs are everywhere. And they said, oh, that's just part of our, our production. This is one of those sours. Yeah. What a, yeah. I remember that. Remember you tell me that when you got back, but you've never done um, like a beer trip in Germany, have you? No. That would be something to do. You have to put that on the list. Definitely go to Bavaria would be. Well, if I was going to go to Germany, I'd have to do uh, Rieslings and <laughs> yeah. all kinds of other. I have to do the Mosul. All right. You know, I have to do all those up there and then get over to the Munich area and do the beers around Bavaria because there's so many. So like, it seems like uh, I've taken some sips now. It seems like the finish of this beer is longer and still pretty sweet, longer than the Hunter and maybe sweeter at the finish than the Hunter is. Yeah, the sweetness kind of prevails all the way through, but it's a, like a really complex sweetness. That malty, richy flavor is still there. There's the floral element that we've talked about. There's also just it's not as it's not as coating in the mouth to me, um, but it's still still a great beer. So I, I see you snacking over there. So I'm gonna I'm gonna join well, the party. Try. I want to try the cheese when I get. Get enough cheese and enough beer, I'll give you a report on it. Yeah, we're eating uh, Comte cheese, which is a cave-age cheese from France. And I just thought it'd be really good with it. And I really enjoy Comte. So it seems to work really well. Yeah. Comte has a lot of like nutty floral flavors in right. it as well. Right, I was well. going to say that. The, the sweetness is there to match the beer, but the nutty is kind of a contrast to the beer because I don't really get a lot of nutty, but that uh, honeysuckle yeah. sweetness and this cheese work really well they do they i mean oh yeah it really like did you test this one already i actually did not test this oh it works well this was this was this and the pot stickers are ones that i actually have not tested but in theory they should work mm-hmm. but yeah this one i mean that that comte cheese is really really good with this you know it has that floral nuttiness and it i think it adds that nutty extra bit of nutty flavor into the beer which just kind of elevates it and lifts it a whole lot almost to a new place for both of them right so it's it's a it's a good pairing Mm -hmm. we've had some good pairings already yeah we have and we're not done yet (laughs) yeah there's still ribs and pot stickers to go so which should i try next the ribs or the pot sticker so i would do the pot sticker um we have a couple different sauces one's going to be a little bit spicier than the other one okay and i think some of that sweetness will actually help um and the beer will kind of help with the spiciness is kind of why I brought it. You know, these are uh, pork pot stickers that I just, I made, they're from, fro- they're from frozen. So, okay, you know, they're really easy just to make in the pan. Um, you could also just run them as a uh, steam, as just a steam, uh, steam one. But I like the kind of crispiness that comes when you actually make it in the pan. So I'm trying the pot sticker with the, uh, which sauce is this one? Uh, that's going to be the one that's a little bit spicier. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's it's getting me right now. Yeah, it's it's so it's actually a mix of like of kind of a standard dumpling sauce and general sow sauce. Mm-hmm. Cuz general sows is a little bit spicier, which I wanted to kind of bring bring to the took a bite of the pot sticker with that spicy. Mm-hmm. And it was lingering in my mouth, spicy. Yeah. And then I took a sip of the beer and everything calmed down. So it was really good. That seemed to, you know, not that I necessarily needed the beer to calm it down, but sometimes when you get something that's so spicy and you take a sip of whatever you're drinking 
and it doesn't put the fire out, you're going, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm burning up here. But yeah. that's not happening. Good. That's um, that's what it's that's what it's about, you know. And I'm I'm kind of with you there. You know, it's kind of holding a little bit of spice. Both these beers are good. Yeah, both. I mean, they're really good. I think the pork goes well. Pork's going to go well with these because no matter what, they are. I mean, they are German. My ribs go with anything. <laughs> I'm sure they do. Red wine, air. Thomas Jefferson, <laughs> air. Whatever. <laughs> so I don't know. I wonder how they would do with scotch. You never know. You never know. They would go really well with a smoky scotch, and I think they'd go well with any scotch. I mean, you know. Right. So what else you got over there? Well, so, um, you know, you kind of talked about the Marzen style of beer, how it's, you know, it's made in the spring and allowed for the long, slow ferment. Um, so there's not really much I've got about the the beer itself, you know. Just talking about Einger, you know, they seem to be a really good company that, you know, focuses on, you know, the traditions that have held Bavaria together. You mm-hmm. know, beer beer was seen, you know, back in the day as liquid bread. Right. Um, it was something that was actually seen to be. I call it the bread of life. Exactly. It seems to be, it was like kind of looked at as nutritious and something that could actually, you know, help people when they're down or when they're kind of in a low time. But Iyengar talks about it as it's rather than just being liquid bread, it's the cement of the culture. Oh, okay. You know, it's kind of what holds it together. And if you think about Bavaria itself, you know, it's kind of true. You know, they're known the world over for making beer. Did you say when they started? Um, I couldn't actually find when they started, but Mm. I wouldn't, I would be surprised if they started later than the 1600s. I think they've been around for a long, a long, long time. And, you know... This one, again, uses, like you said, this uses, you know, Munich malt. So that same kind of style of malt that you're going to find in the Munich beers, you know, those noble hops, some of the little bit spicier ones and, you know, water. So it's, it's, it's not a really complex, it's not a really complex, hard beer to make, but it's, it can be hard to execute. It makes me think about barbecue. I just started watching the chef's table barbecue series that Netflix had. Okay. And, you know, one of the guys, they were talking about a particular pit master named Tootsie out of Texas. Named John making <laughs> No, you are not on the show. Oh, okay. Uh, it's about a lady named Tootsie. She's an 85-year-old pitmaster in a little town called oh, Lexington, wow. Lexington, Texas. Oh. And he was saying, yeah, you know, Texas, Texas barbecuers will, they'll tell you everything that's going on in it, but it's not, and then they'll just sit back and watch and go, good luck. Right. Because it's not about, it's not always about your ingredients or the secrets. It's about the pitmaster itself. Exactly. So I think that's kind of how some of this is, especially with the Bavarian beers is, you know, it's, it's a simple process, but you've got to, it's, it's about the brewers. That's right. Brewers that make it. It's about their attention to detail and everything that they do. You know, last week we talked about the sparklings and, and how the wineries blend the wine, Mm -hmm. but this is different. They don't do any blending. Uh, It's just, They've got their recipe and they're taking so much care to that recipe. Things change every year. You know, the quality of the hops Mm -hmm. and maybe, you know, some places have different water than other places. So that that really enters into what's happening with beer. Mm -hmm. But, you know, once they get that recipe down, right, there's not a whole lot left to do, but just keep making it. Right. And then having the attention to detail of knowing, okay, this year when I'm, when I'm smelling the hops that are coming in, well, they're a little bit more spicy. So I may need to back off a little bit from that. So no, 
but knowing your ingredients, like you said, is a really. And one of the things that uh, a lot of the breweries do is they've been using that same yeast. Mm -hmm. So many generations of yeast, keeping track of it and measuring it. And like you said, on the hops, the acidity of the hops changes because of the difference in the year. So if they, if they're really good at it, they know to up or lower the percentage of the hops to get that same flavor that they've had year after year after year. Yeah. And these beers, you know, being Oktoberfest, originally they were, you know, they were created in March, which is your planting season. And then they're enjoyed in September, you know, which is the beginning of the harvest season. So these beers were really, you know, very kind of seasonal in and of itself. I, you know, I dare say it's one of the first seasonal beers that was out there. Yeah. Because they're they're there as a celebration beer of, yes, we've made it through the hot summer. We're we're able to get these get this stuff done. So let's go ahead and have a party and see what we're in because we've got everything done now. And now we can get our stuff and go to market. You know, one of the fun things that I did is you could go to Disney World and they have a German October fest area mm. where you can actually buy your stein order your beer you can't do it now i suspect but you know back when i went back in the 80s or whenever it was you kind of get that flair and almost taste of what germany's like just by going to disney world yeah and i bet there are some places around the united states that have a large german have a large german population oh i'm sure there are they'll have oktoberfest oh yeah they will I'm not sure where. I'm not that familiar with it. Mm -hmm. I know that uh, uh, Minneapolis has a lot of Irish. And so they have an Irish festival every year. So there's got to be places that have lots of German influence and they have a German Oktoberfest every year. Yeah. So while I've been in the Apple. Wait a minute. It's not October. <laughs> what, what, what are we doing, Josh? Well, it is Oktoberfest season and Oktoberfest is actually celebrated in September. So I thought this would be the perfect time that we do these beers and I wanted to do them before they're out of the market. So uh, while I've been yapping over here, I noticed that you're almost out of your beer and you're halfway through a rib. How was that pairing? So the rib was almost like the pot sticker and the, and the spicy sauce because my ribs are spicy. You know, I use a pretty spicy rub and it did practically the same thing. I took a good taste of that rib, let the spices kind of intermingle in my in my throat and my mouth. The front of my tongue was enjoying the sweetness of the rib. The back of my tongue was enjoying the, the spiciness. And then take that little swig of beer and everything calms down. It's really a good pairing. It is really good. It actually like it brings out more of the roastiness of the malt to me. With the smokiness, it of the did. Beer. You're the right. smokiness of the rib kind of brings out that that rich malty flavor. While it, you know, because the sugar or the sweetness is, you know, really helping with the spice, but it allows that that little bit of elevation to the beer. Yeah, I've got food left, and no next to no beer. Well, that's just because you like the beer, and right. I I have to say these are really good beers, and I hope our uh, listeners go out and. Or go to their local liquor store, go down to Lost 40, you'll get a break on the price and get these beers. I apologize that uh, the food I picked to go with the Hunter is something that I had to cook, but I'm sure you could find something over the counter at a restaurant or somewhere else to very well, that, that would pair very well with 
the hunter. Yeah. And, you know, if you're not in Arkansas, just go down to your favorite local brewery and ask them if they have an Oktoberfest or a fest beer and grab that one, too, because, you know, we haven't we haven't talked a whole ton about like we both didn't talk about the style because it's the same style of beer. Right. And so seeing the differences between the two was something that I thought was really cool and seeing how they're alike, but yet they're different. And then going into the discussion about, you know, the pit master versus, you know, versus the brewmaster. They, uh, I think the pairings that I chose would go well with your beer that you picked. And I think the pairings that you chose would go well with a hunter. So, you know, it's all, it's all about food and the, and the beer. And these beers are very similar. The pairings are, you know, similar enough. So, so Except for that see, sauerkraut. Now do you know, now do you see why I picked the potsicker? Uh, I, I was surprised that it went well, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I guess I'm a traditionalist. I like to drink German beer with German food. Right. And I, and I told Actually, you. Actually, the Hunter is not German, German. beer. <laughs> right. But it's German style beer. And so I wanted to have German food. Yeah. And I like putting in those little bit of like. You're good at curveballs. <laughs> curveballs, you know, with the poutine last week, which worked really well. And the pot stickers this week. I kind of want to, you know, get people to open their mind about pairings. It's like there are certain traits that'll go with it. Like I picked the pot stickers because of the pork. All right. I knew they're going to be pork. I knew they're going to be kind of fatty pork. And I know we could get a spicy sauce, which would go really well. And so. Why not? Right. Why not give it a try? Yes, what grow what grows together is gonna go together. Yeah. I mean, what's what's made from where stuff is, you know, similar origins are gonna be great. But there's so much out there. Like I I was walking through Trader Joe's buying getting these pot stickers, and I thought to myself, man, I should have done Indian food with it. Because still you'd have that spicy, fatty quality. That I think would go really well with this beer. I think you could put an. I think you could put Indian food with this. Maybe, maybe. I think it would. we might have to try that. <laughs> you might. We may have to try that soon. Yeah. But so, and what we've said before, listeners, if you like it, try it with another. With if you like a particular food and you like a particular beer, put them together and try them. Eat what you like, drink what you like. Exactly, and. You know, when you put that pairing together and you don't like it, you don't have to go back there and try it again. Yeah. It's like Josh said last week, you know, he would he would put a beer in front of people. He might not tell them what it was mm-hmm. or a wine in front of people yep. and not tell them what it was. And if they liked it, all right. Yeah. So don't give just- me cream corn. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll get you. We'll get you Chardonnay later. Well, are you ready to do some blinding, Dad? I'm ready. I'm using the uh, deductive beer tasting method and looking at the tasting grid to help me with this uh, blind beer. Uh, Color-wise, it's uh, darker than what we saw today with our Mazen beers. So color-wise, you know, I would I would say it's a reddish brown color uh which means maybe it's uh you know kind of a darkish amber maybe a a a brown like a nut brown or something from the uh tasting grid 
So he's using this week. He's using a deductive uh, beer tasting sheet that was developed by a master cicerone and a certified sommelier. So it kind of follows the same kind of thing that I've done before. It helps you kind of pick out markers and then get down to one thing. So red, amber, you know, amberish in color. Can you can you see through yours? Uh barely. Yeah, just barely see through it. Right. And the uh, the foam is a is a nice the head or the foam is a nice uh, whitish tan, mm-hmm. which uh, kind of gives you an indication that it's it's not a stout or probably not a porter. I haven't tasted it yet. Let me uh, let me look at the uh, aroma. See what I can smell. Oh, I'm getting some. Nut flavors and the smell. So maybe I'm deducting and it's not a nut brown, but I'm not sure. It's pretty nutty. Yeah, there's not much florality on it, is there? No, I don't I don't get any I don't get any floral. I don't get any uh heavy spice to it. No no real minerality to it. Do you get kind of nutmeg on it? Don't try to trick me. I'm, I'm not trying to trick you about anything. I'm just I'm, asking. I'm getting a little nutmeg, maybe. Okay. Uh, I do get some nuts, that's for sure. Yeah. I don't really get any coffee or, you know, the black coffee malt. I don't get that. Right. Okay. Going to give it a little bit of taste here. Little. So there's some sweetness to it. Uh, the bitterness is quite low. The acidity. Take another little swig. It's not real high alcohol that I can tell. It doesn't seem that way. Uh-uh. Let me uh, see if there's any legs. But I get a lot of the uh, the, the head and uh, stirred that up. So the lingering. Yeah, take a big taste of it and see what you think. So the finish is pretty short, you know, medium minus minus maybe. Okay. What are you tasting in it? I'm tasting the, again, I'm tasting the nut. Mm-hmm. So the balance, it seems to be very balanced. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not sweet. It's not sour. Either, you know, either way uh, more than the other. You don't have to guess the ABV. We're just we're we're just going to style. So that's quite sweet. The ABVs, you know, it's pretty normal. I mean, it's not over the top, so it's not a it's not a high alcohol. Right. So what about freshness? It's pretty fresh. It's a nice beer. Yeah, it's, you know this one is very true to style. Yeah. So what do you th- what are you thinking? So I'm thinking uh, it might be some kind of uh, nut brown. Okay. Let me uh, give it another swig. Give it another taste here. Yeah, uh, that's what I'm going to go with. I, I think it's a a nut brown at low, not low, but pretty normal alcohol. Uh, the ABV on it is, uh, you know, 20 to 30, 
I want to say. ABV or IBU? I mean, IBU. Yeah, <laughs> That's IBU. what I say. It's not 20 or 30% oh, alcohol. That would be <laughs> it's not a whiskey. No, that'd be a barley. That'd be over the top barley wine. But yeah, so you're thinking it's a nut brown. It's going to be around, you know, 6% alcohol by volume right. with IBU around 20? I think so. Cool. All right. That's well, what I think. Well, we'll have to find out next week about what it's going to be. So, that's beer, I tell you. Yeah. So uh, next week, we're going to be doing all about the smoke. Are we doing cigars? Yeah. No, we're not doing a cigar episode yet. Uh, we're going to be doing liquors, because it's going to be a liquor week, that are driven by a smoky characteristic. So what are you going to be doing, Dad? It's called La Florange. Ten years. Ten-year-old. It's from Isla. That's in Scotland. It's a single malt whiskey. Okay. And I'm going to be doing the uh, the Del Maguey Vida Mezcal. What are you going to be doing as your snacks, Dad? I'm going to make some lamb. I'm going to do a smoked salmon. I think we had that in the previous episode. And I'm going to do chocolate truffles to show you that those three things can go with the smoky scotch. And what are you doing, Josh? I'm going to do some brisket tacos. I'm going to be doing some, I'm going to be doing a sweet with it. I'm going to do a um, sweet palmier with uh, cherries. And then I'm going to do a prosciutto with it. Prosciutto? Mm-hmm. All right. All right. So um, that's what we're doing next week is we're going to be doing all about the smoke. I'm going to be doing the Vita, the Del Maguey Vita Mezcal. And Dad's going to be doing the Lafroyd uh, 10-year-old Scotch. And it's going to be a good time. So don't forget to follow us on Instagram. I love chit-chatting with people about Instagram. We're going to be putting a lot of our pairings and stuff out on Instagram so that you know what we're going to be doing ahead of time and you have the opportunity to go shop for it as well as in our notes. Um, That's kind of where I'll also put some of these recipes that we had this week. And you can also follow us on Twitter. You can follow us on your, please follow us on your favorite podcast platform. Leave us a note, leave us a review. We love to see all the different reviews that are coming in. Tell your friends. Yep, tell your friends. And, you know, I hope everyone had a good time. But if you want to email us, feel free to email us at acquiredtastings at gmail.com. And we look forward to hearing from you next time. This is John Mills. And this is Josh Mills. And we'll see you next time. Thank you and goodbye.